0: Hello, guys. I'm Mossin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim.
1: Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru, or IFG for short. Mossin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, Alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands, and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So, if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com
0: and if you want to get in touch with us directly you can get me on mossin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com enjoy the episode
1: looking for a different approach to money meet gatehouse bank a sharia compliant uk bank built for the modern world we help home buyers to purchase or refinance their home provide buy-to-let funding for landlords and offer award-winning savings accounts. Wherever you're going, get there a different way. Get there with Gatehouse. To find out more, visit gatehousebank.com. Before we dive in, I'd just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionBee. They have helped over 70,000 customers be pension confident by helping them transfer their all pensions together into one simple online plan. They also have a great Shure compliant pension option as well, which is why we personally really like them. And you can check out a review of their offering on the Shure
2: side on our website. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IFG fortnightly news roundup. I'm your host, Khid Muhammad, the community leader at IFG, and with me are two special people today. We've got our investment associate, Muhammad At Talayb, and I got it right this time, didn't you I? Did, you did. I absolutely did, I rehearsed that. <laughs> and we've got someone who's not Ibrahim Khan. This is the other co-founder, you might be familiar with him, Mohsin Patel. How are you doing, Mohsin? as alaikum. Pretty good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm like a nervous Marcus
0: Rashford standing on the touchline about to make his debut in front of, uh, you know, 70,000
2: at Old Trafford. Oh, see, I don't get that reference because I don't watch it. sports. you not a football man. No, oh. no, no, I didn't oh. watch football, but I got the reference. You got it, you got it. <laughs> see, if it was anime or like movies or like Marvel superheroes, I would have got it. But. I'm like a young Keanu Reeves about to go onto the set. Ah, okay. <laughs> now
3: I, got I understand. That. I got it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now that makes sense. Right. Okay, Masan,
0: what's our story for today? So pretty interesting one. I don't know if you guys have heard about this one, but basically the communist party or the party as as they're known in china have basically pulled the rug from underneath the feet of a 100 billion dollar industry and what i mean by that is what they've basically said is there's a bunch of these private tutoring companies in china and it's very very popular thing it's like ingrained in the culture that kids get private tutoring and what they've basically said pretty much overnight is you guys don't exist anymore. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so they <laughs> they've, they've basically uh, decided let's rewind and like, you know, just understand the the logic here. It's not completely irrational. So what's gone on is China is in an irreversible population decline right so the women are averaging 1.3 children and the population is getting you know very old there's not enough you know kids and what that means is they're in a population decline and the problem for China is that they've not yet got to well the household have not yet got to that level of wealth of you know the advanced economies But they're in this population decline, along with other, you know, aging economies like Italy and Japan and, you know, some others. And part of the problem here is that, you know, raising kids is expensive. And one of the reasons raising kids is expensive in China is because you're expected to do all this private tutoring. And uh, I was speaking to a few people about this, and one of them actually told me that in China it's so bad that the teachers like deliberately go slowly in their classes. So they'll teach, you know, they basically teach half-heartedly and they'll be like, Oh yeah, you need to, you need to do this private tutoring young man. Come, (laughs) come Come and see me afterwards. And then they'll basically do that. And, Look from an investment perspective, this is huge news, right? This is like caused a, a massive, massive uh, ripple in the investment community because there was a lot of money, a lot of private equity money in this industry. It's a hundred billion dollar industry. Like think about it, right? From an investment perspective, you've got huge, huge population, China. Obviously, everyone knows how big China is. You've got basically this thing which is ingrained in the culture. Like you get private tutoring; that's just what you do. And you've got these companies that are providing it, for profit companies that are providing it, and they're able to like make a killing. Like yep. it's a dream combination. So there was like money pouring in here. One of the few areas really that you know foreign investment was coming into China because that's like, so attractive. And you know, the party are basically gone
2: wow. They took an axe to the tree. Exactly. And now there's giant giant income bringing machine has suddenly gone and now investors must be scrambling to to get their money
0: back yeah like i I was reading before and there was (laughs) there was a funny quote from one private equity guy and he's like we're just waiting for death (laughs) 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 it's quite funny but yeah like i mean there is some talk of like they're kind of waiting to see exactly how the rules will be implemented so there is some talk of you know these companies they might be able to pivot into like vocational stuff and you know that kind of thing so like moving away from
3: national curriculum to like vocational stuff but this really is like it's a bit of a but hang on what's the thought process here because you said that they want to encourage people to spend more time with their kids is it or no
0: it's to make it more affordable right so like so how does taking
3: away private tutoring
0: make because if you, more if, affordable? You, if you force like all the schools to like, actually teach properly and isn't uh. it all free in the state level then
2: you know you're not having to pay for this private tutoring. So right. another way to look at the story really is to say that China is basically trying to better its schooling system. Yeah. I and basically re- reform its schooling system and making it much better than what it originally was. Which personally I think is not, a, which is good. I think that's yeah. a good thing.
3: Not for investors. Yeah. But it's good. It's good for all those. Parents are spending I mean, ridiculous re- reforming money. a school is one thing. Telling them all these private union companies, you can't work anymore. I mean, that's a whole other thing.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, look, perhaps there are different ways of going about it. Um, from an investment perspective, I think I agree with you broadly from like a socio-political level. But then what they've also done China is they've also said like, you companies now, like, you can't take investment, you can't do this, you can't do that. And so one of the few places that foreign investors were willing to invest in China was like, was here. And obviously now that's gone, and you can imagine what this has done to like you know the Chinese stock market and stuff like literally like billions and billions wiped out for like public listed companies, and there were a whole bunch of private companies as well that had raised like really really big rounds, who obviously now is
3: completely. I mean, it's quite interesting how the future will look like in terms of the global economy because China is a bit unfair in that they invest across the world, take technologies from other countries, but they don't allow anybody to invest in their own country and they operate in their own economy. And now that you know we have a lot of automation people doing how can we do manufacturing inside our own countries uh, i wonder if china will still be that huge behemoth if they uh, continue with laws such as that yeah
2: why is it that china doesn't forgive me here for my ignorance why doesn't china allow investment into their own
3: into i mean it goes back country? again to the, to the communist party that's very controlling over china and you know when they say they you can do something, it. you do something. When they say you can't do something, you can't do something. I mean the whole reason they got into this problem was because they had enforced that one child policy. Yeah. And so people did not have kids and now they're sitting in there in what what happened because okay. of that. True. So it's more about external influence yeah. not coming into the
2: country. Okay, that's very interesting. Our next exciting story, there's been a lot of chatter going on in the crypto world. Mm-hmm. Mohammed, why don't you tell us what's so exciting?
3: Yeah, everyone, third, third cousin's favorite asset. Um, <laughs> so Bitcoin shot through the roof, crossed through the $40,000 mark, and then came tumbling down back again. Nothing new. We've heard this before many, many times. But basically what happened is the London City AM newspaper had this sort of exclusive story that they had some insider that said Amazon was going to start accepting Bitcoin payments. And it all stemmed from a job ad that Amazon put out for a head of product for cryptocurrency or digital currency. And then people started speculating that Amazon's going to accept cryptocurrency payments. And Bitcoin went up. Then Amazon came up with a statement saying, no, we're not accepting Bitcoin payments. <laughs> <laughs> and it came down again. Oh, um, but but it is back around. I was looking at it just before we came on. Yeah. The set. It is I back mean, around people the 40000 it's going to cross the $100,000 mark. I mean, I suppose, you know, if everybody's uncles and granddads and everybody else are getting into the Bitcoin hype, then... Uh, it probably will, right? Supply and demand. And there, are, there is limited supply of, of Bitcoin. Although what I find funny is the amount of leverage that's in the market. So one of the reasons why I shut up so high is I think there was like $960 million of shorts that were executed. For people's understanding, you know, normally they would take positions and bets on the market, where the bet, whether the market go up or down. And if the price goes above or below a certain point, they'll automatically, their bet goes into play and then they'll make a decision on the market. Okay. And so because the price went above a certain amount... Well, the shorts, they probably have caps basically liquidated. And so that shot the price up even more. And then that's why you have these kind of big jumps in the market. And if it's such a volatile asset, don't do that. Like use money you're willing to lose. Don't start using leverage and start betting on the markets. That's true. That's true. It's actually quite interesting because we know that even the government
2: themselves have commissioned a report with the Bank of England Mm -hmm. to try to see how they could leverage or create a kind of digital currency That is, what's the word? Kind of controlled by the government, in essence. Yeah, centralized. Yeah, centralized digital currency. I think that's what they actually called it. And the chancellor, he recently wrote quite a lengthy status that I've actually got in front of me, basically saying how there's a lot of they want the UK to be a financial hub and how they want to, in essence. Go into this and, but not replace cash and checks and stuff as well. So there's quite a lot of. Um, but doesn't interesting that just
3: defeat the whole purpose of cryptocurrency in the first place? Yeah. I mean, people. I mean, digital money has been around for ages. The whole like philosophy behind cryptocurrency was becoming kind of a libertarian philosophy of an independent currency, independent of governments, independent of control. I mean, we all suffer from, you know, the the KYC checks and people trying to hide away from taxes and government trying to control our money and closing bank accounts at will. Whereas, you know, with cryptocurrency, the idea was that the money's in in control of, you know, you own your own wealth and your own money and nobody can touch that. So the government wants to introduce their own cryptocurrency. I mean, I don't see how that fits the narrative.
2: That's literally what one of the main issues that I, I had as well. And like you know, what the Chancellor said, there was a big strong reaction from quite a lot of the public that were some that were very kind of for it. Mm. And then the opposite you had were people that were very against the idea of the government having that control over your money, because we know that the government already has some amount of control on banks and such. So your money is being controlled there. But if that happens to cryptocurrency as well, you've basically debauched the system. And what many people are kind of saying is that the government is going to an increasingly kind of a look that you know similar to much of what china does with mm. its citizens and their wealth mm. that has absolute control on how businesses are run and how bank accounts are held in essence yeah.
0: i guess what's confusing me a little bit about how at a government level how they're thinking about cryptocurrency is that as you said muhammad like digital cash is not a new phenomenon right so the benefits that you get of cryptocurrency seem to be being like conflated with you know digital cash i genuinely don't know this because i don't know i don't i'm not privy to the conversations but i don't actually know how at the government level they perceive cryptocurrency and what they think is different to
2: digital cash time will tell i guess
0: yeah
2: yeah definitely i think it comes down to that whole trust in the government kind of thing and there's people will be on different levels of the spectrum Mm. in this case. Mm. Some people don't have that. Some people think that if the government can control it, it's safer for people. Mm. And they rely on that trust very much. Whereas you have the other opposite end of the spectrum where people are like well no I don't trust the government mm. and I don't think that if they had control over my money that they would do justice by it mm. and that I would be in under threat and in, in essence it's a tug of war between these two yeah. kind of things and what mindset the masses adopt I mean what's going to happen for
0: sure though is that this cryptocurrency stuff like it's happening it's real something's going to happen Twitter I think said they're going to start doing stuff around that Amazon obviously they put that job ad out and I was thinking about that actually the, the job ad right and Mosson's For- gonna leave IFG <laughs> <laughs> So like I was thinking about this and I actually think it's a publicity move because look you know if Amazon was serious about I mean, what they've said in the job ad is, look, we're taking this really seriously. This is like a really important thing for us. We want someone who's going to come in and basically grab this by the scruff of its neck and like lead Amazon, you know, through our understanding of cryptocurrency and like where, where we end up with it, right? That's a big position. That's an important position. If you think cryptocurrency is going to be very, very important for the future, you're going to want the lead on that to be, you know, a pretty senior role, right? Yeah. Now, from my understanding of Jeff Bezos, that's not a role that you put out publicly. You source that role from your networks, right? And it's like any important role. If you're serious about it, you're pretty much sourcing it from your private network. So for me, it it was a publicity move. It's a move that says to the world that Amazon is taking this very, very seriously. And I was thinking, you know, what could be the logic here? And I don't know, maybe this is partly a talent thing. You think about the world. You know, right now, what does Amazon definitely need? Definitely going to need really, really talented developers, right? And in the tech community, obviously, crypto is very, very hot. Like, what do devs like to do? They like to work on the cutting edge of technology. And this stuff is the cutting edge. And I don't know, I'm speculating here, but like, is this a move that says to the best devs in the world, Forget, you know, your Googles or whoever else they're losing talent to. This
3: is the place that you want to be if you really want to be at the cutting edge. Mm, Interesting. I mean, Amazon is one of the biggest companies in the world. They're taking over everything from obviously shopping to space travel now. So the fact that they're entering a new market, the cryptocurrency market, is no surprise. But also, I don't think I like it that much because it just means that they now control everything, including our own monopoly. money. So, yeah. <laughs> but I think the point here is it's, it's not necessarily about them doing their
0: own cryptocurrency. It's yeah. about the fact that this becomes a medium through which to transact. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's interesting. Yeah.
3: I mean, I talked about the speculation a bit earlier. And I mean, you do need speculation for something to become mainstream because mm. that's what's going to bring the liquidity and allow people to, you know, transact and buy in and out. So it could also be a good thing.
2: True, true. I think a key point that I've taken away is that a lot of the times, whenever people are asked about cryptocurrencies, you it's like, what's that spread that people either love it or hate it? Marmite. Marmite, yeah. So it's <laughs> it's like Marmite. There's either people that say, oh, it's just something that's going to like come and go. It's a fad. Yeah. Or they're like, no, this is the future. You've not gotten in-between where people are like, mm. it's the latter. It's always like one or the other. But now for certain that we know, like, look, the British government's looking into it. Mm. Amazon's looking into it. If that is the case, then we know this is here to stay, this yeah. isn't going anywhere. Yeah. And that has now kind of more or less solidified its position, Yeah, and I think that's
3: quite key.
0: What about the market manipulation?
3: I mean, that happens all the time though, right? It uh, does, but I kind of, I mean, I know we're in a new world, but it's, it's quite in bad taste, because I mean, I think there's gonna be people who see a tweet, I mean, to be honest, if somebody's going off a tweet, then maybe they deserve it, but it is somebody who looks at that, let me buy, gets into the hype, and you know, for him maybe it's a bit of fun, but he is losing his hard-earned wealth and money and that's being transferred to somebody else and the other thing about the whole cryptocurrency thing is that people call it an investment and it is kind of an investment but at the same time you know what is the value being produced for the world what is money and wealth It's just the transfer of you know i owe you something you owe me something and if you're not producing something that we can all enjoy not growing more food not producing more clothes and stuff it's not actually bu- building value so the price going up is not indicative of the world getting the better. creation of yeah yeah
0: no i think i think that's very fair one of the like observation that i had was that what's interesting is that this is a, i don't know it's a bit bit wider general observation but it relates to this point you think about you know the important players right in the world and in like you know yesteryear you kind of had i guess more like traditional types that were the big influencers but now, because of the way the, the world has changed towards tech, right, you've got the rich, the very rich, the elite, and the influential people are basically tech entrepreneurs, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that, you know, look, these are the people that affect things at a macro level. Like, generally speaking, you know, if they want something to happen, they can kind of, like, make things happen in that direction. And it's interesting that, you know, tech entrepreneurs, generally speaking, they get to that position because they, like, they want to do something good and you know where you can sure we can talk about the ethics of you know facebook mm-hmm. amazon and whatever that's a different story but i think fundamentally the likes of zuckerberg and whatever they got into this stuff because they like they wanted to affect positive change at some level yeah. and it's interesting now that as a society these are the people that are kind of you know at, at the top and people listen to these people more than say you
3: know political leaders mm-hmm. so yes. i was actually commenting on that i think before you know anybody who is ambitious and wants to have maybe power or whatever it is he would become like a president or a minister i mean you hear of, you know winston churchill and reagan and everybody else whereas in today's world the people who are these kind of like trying to push up in the world become tech entrepreneurs and then the billionaires and now the power is kind of shifting towards them i mean even looking at politics today like nobody really talks much about, about the Prime Minister of Politics. It's all about what's happening with Elon Musk and, and Jeff Bezos.
2: I think, personally, and this I could be wrong on this, but I think that that has always been the case, that money has kind of like governed how people run the world. And in essence, what I think, even with politicians and such, because now we don't live in a monarchy, and it's not all about the king or the queen ruling, we now have the rich people who can, in essence, lobby governments and get what they need done but now i think that because of social media and because now these rich people now have faces attached to them before they were people that were more or less kind of like in the high castles and in their ivory towers you wouldn't really see them much but now they've got social media they're out there the news is covering them because they live interesting lives and what we can also say is that there's less accountability towards them as people, mm-hmm. because they're a billionaire, it's not like they're answering to as many people that a politician would per se. For example, a prime minister has only so much room to move before he's held to account by his ministers and his cabinet, MPs, and such. Whereas a billionaire, he's very much his own free agent. Maybe you could say, okay, the companies he's tied to mm-hmm. and the investors of those companies can hold him, but they're less likely to kind of have that hands on role with him compared to like how MPs would. Yeah. And because of that, I think that now what was once very hidden is now
3: just a lot more public. I mean, it is the one flaw because, I mean, the free market has created enormous wealth, but it's also concentrated power in the hands of a few people True. and as a social structure that is never a, a good thing that's sort of anti-anti-free market and anti-democracy and freedom isn't it
2: of course and as we know history tells us that when the wealth gap between the rich and the poor widens too much usually this results in kind of uh, riots and yeah. protests and stuff that eventually disrupt everything or sometimes shake or even change the system for better or worse mm. moving on now We've talked quite a bit about cryptocurrencies. So we went from the East, we've come a bit more to the West, and now we're going to head back to the East. Mohsen, what's going on in the East now? So
0: this is one where, I guess, you know, similar to our earlier Ch- uh, China discussion, I think people are very very much underestimating you know this one and that's what I think I mean I'm calling it so I'm putting my neck on the line here.
2: Mossin's crystal
0: ball <laughs> gazing now. My neck's on the line and I'm calling basically a bit of a Christmas crisis in terms of prices so again let's do the analysis here so what's going on in the world is that you've got as we know Leo, China's China is a massive exporter right a lot of our goods probably the stuff we're sitting on is from China And that's been fine for, you know, many, many years. And I've only recently been exposed to like how this actually works. So the way it works is that you get, let's say you've got uh, this, a chair company, a very successful individual that you are, and you've got a contact in China who's making your stuff for you, right? You get the stuff shipped over. But the way that that process works is that typically you'll have an agent in China And you will say to your agent that, look, my factory or like my supplier, they've got my order ready. Can you go and collect it? I need to book a 40 foot container and you need to load my goods into the container, get it onto the cargo ship and I will receive the cargo ship at, you know, Dover or God knows whatever it is, Hull or whatever ports we have in the UK. And Typically, the prices of that space is effectively buying space right in a container. typically, the prices of those have been about two thousand dollars okay two three thousand dollars, something like that for a forty foot container. You get it, you factor it into your costings and your margins, and you sell it on everything's hunky dory very nice eed at you know your your household mm-hmm. but now what 's happening is there's been a few factors that have meant the cost of these containers has like absolutely skyrocketed, so the few factors that have kind of come together are uh, number one, obviously with the pandemic, we had massive, massive rises in e-commerce. So the demand for this stuff was like just going through the roof. And because you had uh, like, setting up a website is like, is easy, right? You just gotta put it up online. And it doesn't matter where your goods are. You don't need to buy a store anymore. You just get some space and, like, chuck the stuff in. Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff being, you know, ordered from China. So there's, like, huge huge spike in, in volume, basically, that's first factor. Second factor was around Brexit. And there's a whole kind of thing, which probably don't got time to get into the discussion, but there's a whole thing around, like, lorry drivers and, I guess, like, a bit of a shortage of them in the UK. And the third factor was around if you remember the Suez Canal stuff mm-hmm. when there's like a lot of blockage and what have you and all of these factors and it's probably a few more as well but all of these factors have meant that getting container space is basically quite hard and so what you found now is that instead of you paying two three thousand dollars for your 40 foot container you're paying like 12 13 14 15 thousand dollars for your container space and you can imagine like, that's like 7x 8x yeah. Yeah. you know your cost which if you're making, I don't know, like a 30% margin on your chair, it becomes unsustainable, right? And you can see where I'm going with this, right? So this is going to mean that you're going to have to hike up prices. It's going to be two things. One, you hike up prices, or at worst, you just say, I'm really sorry, but this business is unsustainable for me now. I'm, you know, I'm off. Or if you're a massive company, you can kind of sustain it for a bit and you wait it out, but you're going to have, you know, shortages of stock. And there has been some news stories recently you probably noticed around supermarket shortages and what have you. And my view, again, it's a bit out there, but like my view is that this is like a bit of a cover story. Like they're dressing it up as there's like there's shortages and it's all like a bit temporary and don't panic buy or whatever. And I'm not saying we should panic buy, by the way. <laughs> um, but i actually think this is a bit of a systemic issue because what we're now seeing like we're in filming this in like end of july right and what we've got is at the moment everything's fine because you know companies have got enough stock to kind of like they bought enough stock you know well in advance right but as things come up towards christmas what was like ordinarily the christmas stock would have been ordered like you know a few months ago probably but whether people have been able to get stuff onto their containers or not is unclear. The cost they've paid for these containers are very unclear. I mean, definitely it's gone higher for sure. And if you think about like the logistics of how importing works, because you're putting stuff into a container, you're necessarily penalized if you're buying big stuff because you can get fewer things on. So my prediction is actually that we're going to see some pretty, I mean, either shortages or, you know, pretty hefty price hikes.
3: So... My, my suggestion is that if you're buying anything bulky, get it done. Interesting. Get it done now. I mean, this has already affected me in kind of two ways. So, I mean, I'm from South Africa and we export a lot of fruits, a lot of grapes from the UK, but we see from South Africa as well. And because there was a shortage of containers, they were all sitting in like cold storage, but they weren't able to be shipped out. And the people are trying to like, you know, because most of our food is exported. Locally, we get the bad stuff, then all the good stuff is exported. But this year, because they weren't able to export it, we got really, really good grapes. I was like, wow, I never knew we had this good grapes. Ah. <laughs> um, so in some ways, I guess local local produce, you know, that is kind of the silver lining. We may see better, better produce locally. The second way was that I'm a bubble tea fan. And there is a global shortage of boba. I know you've no. been to Bubble Tea Place recently, but they don't have boba in their shops, and there are signs saying, "Sorry, guys." What? I know. I know. So you seeing terrible. it in action. This is a crisis. I'm seeing it in action. This, in action. this already. is a crisis. It is a crisis. See, yeah. this is the
0: thing. Like honestly, people haven't picked up on it, but like it's happening. It's coming. Like it's there if you're looking for it. I think it's only going to get worse
2: what should people do about it now should people start like buying lots of stuff buy up and- buy i'd say a lot of toilet roll uh- <laughs> <laughs> don't do that don't do that just don't
0: buy a lot of guys locally guys it from china
2: just buy a lot of guys just get get a bucket use water it's cleaner it's
0: more sustainable and it's cheaper no i'm only joking i think supermarkets they'll find a way that i'm not worried about supermarkets i think if you're planning i think like big purchases so, you know, I've been talking about chairs and sofas. Like this whole like, It's actually a good example. But it's hard to think of it like, straight
3: off the bat. But like, I'd say like, furniture is probably quite, yeah. quite a big one. Actually, I mean, adding to my the third example is uh, May.com, which went public recently, really? which I wanted to do. They did, yes. I wanted to um, buy a sofa from them months ago. And their lead times are three months on many of their sofas. I can imagine, yeah. Wow. And so I was like, I don't want to wait three months to sit on a couch. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, again, aff- affecting you there.
0: yeah it's 100% I think that's probably how I think about it like the more the more bulky items definitely have a think about like getting ahead of the curve on that and yeah I mean obviously there's not much you can do really but it's coming look out for it basically because you'll very quickly kind of understand it and you'll understand how it affects you as
2: well and I think for me like personally I know this because I have caught some of my uncles and some of their friends they actually quit their day jobs because during the COVID period, they worked in the telecoms industry. And for some reason, they weren't getting any contracts. And so they quit their jobs and they started shipping in stuff from China. And they started selling, started their own e-commerce business. And that did quite well. So in terms of people like that, what would you kind of advise them?
0: So I think that don't forget, a lot of people are not actually importing on containers. A lot of it can air is still as normal. Like this is like a very specific by sea issue. So it depends on like what you're selling, right? Yeah. Uh, and if you're like a relatively new seller, chances are like you're not importing stuff by the container. Like you need to be like doing pretty serious business to be, you know, importing by containers. So it might be though that the person that they're buying from Um, is importing by the container load or you know maybe they'll be absolutely fine because they're buying something that's like quite small and it can be quite cheaply sent by
2: air anyway true fair fair okay great so i think to conclude this episode let's get a quick update on any important or big changes in the market. Well, What what, what do you think, Mohammed?
3: Well, first thing is Facebook and the future of social media. So Facebook, you know, nobody likes Facebook these days. There's documentaries, there's books about how Facebook messed up the pandemic and spreading lies or whatever else it is. And, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is a secret lizard robot or something (laughs) like that. But despite all our stories, we are still using Facebook and on an increasing basis. I think 12% increase during the pandemic of usage across Facebook's platforms, which include WhatsApp. So uh, even though you're not on the Facebook app, you're still using Facebook services. But Facebook's revenue is up by 50% uh, and their profits, just this quarter, and their profits are up by 101%. $10 billion in profits this quarter. That's profits, not revenue. I mean, we talk talking about all the unicorns reaching a billion dollar valuation. This is billion dollar in profits um, in it's a that, quarter. That rare commodity, profit. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> it's crazy. And I think we keep talking about the future of social media and how we're interacting in the creator economy, and Facebook is the old dogs, but they're sticking in there. I mean, the stock price obviously is reflecting this. Stock price is up, I think, about 40% from the start of the year. Tech stocks are uh, (laughs) doing it. Meanwhile, I
0: mean, I've not actually looked at this in detail, but I read briefly last night that I think Amazon was down after market because I think they missed their revenue targets, which is interesting.
3: Interesting. Very interesting. I mean, Facebook beat their revenue targets by like 20% or something. Yeah. It's it's a slight dip now because they said that the the coming quarter will be a downturn given the pandemic is over and various other factors, including Apple's privacy... um, yeah. privacy policies these days but you know so far they've done incredibly well it's fascinating yeah it's fascinating other news as well uh deep mind london-based owned by google they are basically an AI research uh, organization, and they produce amazingly crazy stuff, including you know they became famous a few years ago because they beat the best Go player, uh, which was you know thought to be you know not not possible. It was very difficult to do, and, and their AI actually did it. Go player, what's that? So Go is like uh, I think it's a Chinese game, but it's, it's a, lot a lot of China this
0: episode. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's,
3: it's quite. It's been around for for a few centuries. Um, oh, okay. Similar to chess. I mean, not similar Fair. to chess, but you know, you think of a, a, a game like chess, but just a lot more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and the first computer to beat an actual human but anyway so they have recently released so their model predicted new kinds of the structures of proteins so proteins is the foundation of life essentially and i'm not a biologist here so don't quote me on any of this <laughs> but essentially you know proteins are made of amino acids that are you know predicted or je- or they're built by dna is the one encodes how an amino acids will line up yep. to, to produce a protein but then what happens is that the protein like twists and folds kind of random or unpredictable ways and that creates a structure. And there are millions of different structures. And before now, there was no way of predicting it. Even supercomputers would take too long to predict the structure. And the reason why we need to know structures is because you know, one use case is drugs. So the way drugs sometimes work is that they'll have a molecule that would bind to the protein. So you need to know the structure of the protein to bind. If you read a bit about COVID, um, the COVID vaccine, a lot of it works like that as well. And this is one of the biggest developments in science for the past like, 20 years, maybe perhaps since the, the first genome was actually predicted, the first genome structure was built out. So it's a huge development in, in science technology and all done by machine learning and AI uh, and by a tech company that sells ads. So crazy, crazy movements. The good thing is they have made it freely available and online. So if you are a scientist, you can take advantage of it, which is a good step but it just shows you know, where the world is moving. One of my friends said his chemistry and he said, in the next few years, I'm not gonna have a job because chemistry and doing lab experiments is being automated. Um, soon the human body will be all in a computer and it'll be like all in silico, all, like, all experiments will be done just through, through computers. It's, it's really crazy the way science is moving a lot faster than we're thinking. And there's now a lot of venture capital, especially in sort of aging and extending our lifetimes. They say a child born today, 100 years very easily, and in a few years time perhaps even 200 years we would live not just extending life but also the quality of life so um you know obviously you know you can <laughs> live, live to 100 is fine but if you're like old and frail probably not you probably yeah, don't yeah. want to do that um but you know if, if you can increase the quality of life and be 90 and healthy i think that is that that is amazing obviously you know nobody can predict the, the end of your life but if we are able to live healthier lives and and ext- you know extend that to to, to be to live a, a good and healthy life i think that's that's quite an exciting exciting thing True. I think like
2: I remember when, in my time when I was working in a PR agency and I was working with a biotech companies, yeah. like some of the stuff that they were coming up with was out of this world. And I remember speaking to one of their like lead kind of like scientists and he was very poignantly say that the biotech industry is going through a huge overhaul and massive amounts of changes and developments are going through to the point where like we already see that what do they call those uh biomechanics or something like where you have uh placements for lost mm-hmm. limbs i think that it's yeah. called biomechanics but but like there's huge developments in this field and essentially humans are becoming cyborgs as well and <laughs> yeah. they're, they're saying like where where will you stop like what if i don't you know if i'm like you know what i don't need this chunk of my mind let's replace it with a supercomputer <laughs> this size
3: and i literally get that put in and now now i like you know I mean, you say that. I mean, it's not connected to you, but your phone is an extension of you. That is kind of true. You're already a cyborg in many ways. I remember when someone uh, actually put an
2: oyster chip in their hand, mm. just as a thing, like to <laughs> point like contactless payments through your hand and stuff people did. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, very exciting episode today. Jazakallah khairan to Mohsin and Muhammad for joining us today and jazakallah khairan to you viewers for listening into our sometimes exciting, sometimes not so exciting <laughs> views of the market. So, inshallah catch you again in 2 weeks time. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you got this
1: far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.